Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Dr. Stefan Schmal, founder of China's Juma, which is best known for its plant-based yogurts. Dr. Schmal is based out of both Germany and China. So um, hello, Dr. Schmal. Help, welcome to the podcast, first of all, and thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, hello, Polly. Happy to be here. Thank you very much. Really great to have you here. And first, I'd like to start with talking about Juma itself. Um, I do recall you told me when we spoke previously that this is a Chinese brand with German DNA. And your yogurts are primarily sold to Chinese consumers at present. So I was wondering what led you to just focus on China, you know, as opposed to markets closer to home at Germany? Uh, that's a good question. When I developed our technology, I thought about where to go. It could have been Europe could have been the US and it could have been Asia. I've been working in Asia for many years, since 2000, mostly in China. So I like the country, I like the people, I like the food culture. And actually looking at the map, the European market and the US market when it comes to plant-based food are quite mature already. China and Asia in general are much more at beginning. And also there's this huge market potential because of the many people and how people care about food in the Asian region and in China especially. At the moment, China has a kind of lighthouse role in in the industry. So what the US for many years had in the Western countries, what works in China, many people look at and try to copy in their country. When it comes to the plant-based market in China, what have you found to be the most important factor when it comes to, you know, things like gaining consumer interest, you know, gaining demand, and of course, making sure that people make return purchases when it comes to your yogurt? You asked about uh, gaining interest. The, so this is mostly first buyers. And then it's you asked about rebuyers, and that's about a keeping interest. Looking at the first part of the question, our typical consumers are those who want healthy food, who, are, who care about themselves, who want to eat something healthy and hopefully also tasty. 89% of the Chinese say that they need to do something for their body, that, so that they have to take care of mm. the diet. What we have to do is we have to explain to them why plant-based products are healthy and good for them. This is one point. In in Western countries, people very often buy plant-based products because of sustainability. But to be honest, in China, this is not so much a point. An exception are Chinese millennials. 27% of them, a study says, buy plant-based products, especially because they are sustainable. Another criteria in China is food safety. This is a lot more important than it is, for example, in, in, in Europe. In Europe, typically you don't care, you just expect it to be safe. Here, people really look at who, who makes it, what's the brand, do I trust the brand, what's the ingredient list? This is very different from what it typically is in uh, Europe. And if you want to reach uh, first bites, you have to convince them in all these regards. And only then they would make a try. And then, it comes to the second uh, part, and that's the rebuyer, which is very important. For rebuyers, the most important fact is taste. If it doesn't taste well, most people won't rebuy. 
there are some very, very health conscious people who eat almost anything if it's healthy, even if it doesn't taste well. But this is a very small group. This is not the real market. This is very, very small, distinct group. And besides taste, the second important point is mouthfeel. How it feels in your mouth, its texture, how it melts on your tongue, and whether it feels sticky or not. If people don't like the mouthfeel, they will not rebuy. There is, when it comes to plant-based, there's also a third factor, and that is price. Price must always seen, be seen relative to the value that you place on a product. I can give you an example for that. In our pure coconut yogurt, we are using 75% of high-quality coconut cream. Not coconut milk like others, but very thick, very smooth coconut cream. It's very expensive and a lot more expensive than, than, than dairy, than, than milk. But how do you explain that to a consumer? How do you transfer that value into his mind? That's a very, very difficult thing. And in China especially, in China especially, because of history, many people value animal-based products higher. To explain to them the value difference between milk-based yogurt and plant-based yogurt is not easy. What has struck you as the main standout difference between the food sectors in Europe, you know, and China? And you, of course, you mentioned you know, it's very difficult to sort of educate uh, the, the Chinese consumers right now in terms of plant-based yogurts versus animal-based yogurts. Would you say, you know, one market is more challenging than the other? Yes, yes, uh, definitely. I mean, there are many differences. The challenge lies in the consumer. And there is one big difference for us as a clearly plant-based company. Uh, the Chinese have a very good, very distinctive food culture, rich in variants. And they value food very high. They value food much higher than many Europeans. Uh, so they know a lot about food ingredients. They know a lot about how to combine them and about taste. But I was surprised how little they really know about the healthiness of special foods and the combinations with uh, other foods. For example, many parents think that their children need a lot of meat and uh, animal-based mm. products in order mm -hmm. to grow well. This is a standard opinion. That's uh, meat, milk, eggs, especially the elderly. You might think we are a plant-based company. You might think that it's the vegans who drive the change to innovative, healthy, plant-based food. And of course, yes, vegans are important and they are well-informed and they know a lot. They have to because they offer their special diet, but they are not so many in number. So they are not really driving the market. In Europe and also in the US, it's the flexitarians who drive the plant-based market. This is the by far most important consumer group. And we have to reach this group. And if they follow very traditional, often wrong opinions, this is difficult for us because this means that we have to explain more and that we have to teach more. In that regard, Europe and the US are more advanced. This is still different in China. China is lagging behind a little bit. But, but there are other challenges. You know, and this is, this is real life. If you talk to procurement managers at retailers and uh, distributors, typically those are quite conservative. 
they like to, to buy things that turn fast on the shelf. So they are typically not so open for new products where you have little experience. And we were the first with almond-based yogurt in China. Uh, so this was a big challenge for us, which we had not expected, to be honest. Uh, we have to talk more, we have to convince more, we have to provide more information. And it was very difficult to find distributors in the beginning. So mm. normally you would go to a distributor and say, I, I have a new beer here, I have a new drink and a, a soft drink or something. And he would look at that and okay, I can sell that. And, and he would do that. We had to do it the other way around. Well, one point I would like to add, it's changing at the moment. We see with many retailers that they are starting to create plant-based corners. This changes uh, the discussion a little bit, uh, but this is just starting. So I recall also that, you know, when we spoke previously, you know, you mentioned Asia as a whole as the main target market with, you know, China as the first of these, as you mentioned earlier as well. So you did mention a little bit about why, you know, China is such a great market, but I'm wondering overall why you're thinking Asia is, um, you know, overall a good market for plant-based and you know what other markets you're seeing in Asia apart from China as having the most potential for plant-based yogurt market growth? In many Asian countries food is important people care about that I think about that they care about health if you have a healthy product this is a good starting point the Asian markets in general are not as mature in that regard as they are in Europe if you have a new business it's always better to start in a new market than in a mature market. Entering a mature market is um, mm. always difficult because it turns into price competition only. So this makes it a lot more attractive, and especially if you have a growth story. We see uh, Korea as a good place for us. We see Taiwan as a good place for us. We see Malaysia as a good place for us. Also Singapore we see as a good place for us. Mm-hmm. South Korea mm-hmm. has a lot of experience with fermented food. They eat a lot of fermented food. They like eating fermented food, which is good for us because our yogurt is fermented. Uh, Taiwan has a huge vegan community. Malaysia has a eating culture, which is not so far away from uh, the European one. So they, they, they understand the products. And uh, Singapore has, is, is very international, has a good uh, income structure, and uh, people are very open for new things. Now I'd like to find out a little bit more about your own entrepreneurial journey so far, Dr. Schmal. So I understand you have a background mostly in finance. How did you find yourself here, you know, in Asia as a food entrepreneur? Uh, actually, over the last years, I started many companies. For example, Paulaner. Uh, in, in China, we ta- I, I started one of the fastest growing breweries in, in, in Germany and other ca- ca- companies in, uh, in the US and in Australia and in, in China. But I always did that for other people. So it, it was never my own. I started it and uh, I mostly I, I ran it for a few months or years and, and then I had to give it away. And I wanted something on my own, uh, which then also is mine. And this is, this is the, the, the difference in that. Uh, and, and this is why I started this business. And uh, I was a board member at Megler, Megler being one of the uh, biggest German dairy companies and I saw the development mm-hmm. of the market and uh, knowing China since 20 years this could be a good business fun to start with. Uh, I can tell you one experience and, and not the, one of the best of my life was the pandemic. Typically when I started the business 
I'm deeply involved. I'm really deeply involved and I'm also doing groundwork. Joma, we have German roots, yes, but it's a Chinese company in China. And uh, of course you have to be in China for that and you have to talk to the people. The pandemic really was a very challenging experience. Uh, so we just started, that was two years ago in uh, January, we just started. We entered the market when the pandemic began. I, typically, I spent most of my time, by far most of my time in China. I had an apartment in Tianjin, uh, so I was registered with the police. And it was quite normal. I just lived there, and all of a sudden, I could not come back. And I can tell you, this is a very challenging experience, thousands of kilometers away. And you can see the people, and mostly it's new people, people we were hiring, and you get to know them only through a screen. worked out somehow, but I have never experienced that before, typically, management is very much about working with people, learning from each other, sharing experience, creating ideas together. And this is not possible if you have planned video conferences only. So along those lines, is there anything that you wish you had known when you were starting out with Juma in the beginning, you know, making the switch? Uh, anything you might have changed if you had known this? Would you have started at a different time or anything like that? Yeah, of course, I would have been happy had I known about the <laughs> pandemic and consequences. Uh, I'm not sure that we could have changed so much, but we would have prepared ourselves differently. The degree of education with customers, the reluctance of retailers and distributors, there are many things where we had our learnings and where we had to adjust our strategy. And we, we took a lot of care about the quality of our products. We are really, really serious about the quality of our products. Put, and we, we thought that the quality sells a little bit too much, probably. Mm -hmm. So we could have put, should have put more focus in on the market, the difficult structure in the market from the beginning, had we known how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. I'm not really talking about marketing alone, but uh, retailers, distributors, and all mm -hmm. of that. We, we had this. Uh, learning early, but 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 still, because of the pandemic, and if you remember the first month of the pandemic, they were not reflecting the the real world. So when we entered the market for half a year, we did not see the real world, and there we lost some time. These are learnings. Where do you see Juma in the next, you know, perhaps twelve months, perhaps five years down the line from here? Uh, I would say that currently we are market leader in uh, the field of plant-based yogurts in China, and I'm mm -hmm. sure. We have one of the best technologies in the world, but hopefully in 12 months, we have introduced some more dairy-like products, which are readily developed. We just have them bring, to bring them into the market. Mm -hmm. Much clearer market leader there again. Mm -hmm. And we also have non-dairy-like products readily developed, which we want to bring in the, into the market. But, but we need some time for that. It's... Uh, it's not that easy because you have to, to solve everything. You have to, to the production you have to, to manage, the, you have to the sourcing, you have to develop the packaging, the logistics. So bringing a new product takes some time. Uh, this is why we can't bring them all at the same time. And also it's costly to do the marketing. Uh, so, but but I, I think we can do that in, in, in two years from now. We want to be the clear market leader for plant-based snacks and in-between meals. And hopefully in five years, we have one more big factory in China and hopefully two factories outside of China. 
I just have one more question for you, actually, Dr. Schmal, which is whether you have any advice for, you know, those out there who are trying to also um, enter food entrepreneurship, you know, like you have. Any nuggets of advice you might, you might have for them? I have been working with Chinese for many years, for many years. And uh, mm -hmm. so I have a little understanding of the cultures and the differences between the cultures. And Germans are set to plan very carefully. Chinese tend to just start. That's just more trial and error. And I, in my experience, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So okay. if you have a startup, prepare yourself well because you only have limited resources. Limited resources is not just money, it's also people and time. And you have to find a good team. Doing it alone is very, very difficult. And the fewer people you are, the more qualified they should be. If you have 10,000, it doesn't matter if 50 are not so good. If you have 10, and two are not so good, you are in trouble. Even if you have a good plan, you must be able to adjust very, very fast. The, the Chinese market is fast. Typically, FMCG companies in China bring new products to the market every six to eight weeks. And consumers are more flexible. They like to try more. So you have to be very mm. flexible. Social media change, the one that is hyped today may, may be out tomorrow. So you have to be, despite good planning, you have to be very <laughs> flexible. And as we have seen with the pandemic, you have to be prepared for the unexpected and for hitbacks, which means you better have some plan B and plan C. Thank you so much for joining me today, thank Dr. You. Schmal. It was so wonderful to catch up with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you also, everyone, for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Pearlie signing out.